NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. Welcome into Throwback Throwdown with Toomey here on NotFest.com. Each Tuesday, I will be bringing you interviews that were recorded on Throwback Throwdown with Toomey on NotFest Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash official. This week, we will start out with my conversation with Heidi Shepard and Carla Harvey of Butcher Babies, along with Lena Scissorhands of Infected Rain. All three ladies jumped on the Throwback Throwdown with Toomey to update us on their current tour and what they're doing in the world and so much more fun stuff. And then we will pull a classic interview from Throwback Throwdown with Toomey, uh, my Frank Bellow of Anthrax interview. So two great interviews that were, like I said, previously recorded on my Throwback Throwdown with Toomey Twitch show. These will be out each Tuesday. So some bonus content for you guys. Always make sure to sign up at notfest.com. Become a VIP so you can check out the videos from these interviews. And then also check out clips on YouTube on the NotFest official YouTube. Speaking of NotFest official YouTube, my Jason Newstead clips have passed 100,000 views. That is insane. Absolutely insane. Hopefully you guys have checked that out. So sit back, relax, enjoy yourself some throwback throwdown with Toomey. First up, we've got Heidi, Carla, and Lena. And then we will hit you with Frank Bello of Anthrax. Guys, have a great week. I will see you guys on Thursday. We are back with uh, Heidi, Carla from Butcher Babies, and Lena from Infected Rain. How are we doing tonight? <laughs> Not everybody at Great. Hi, good. There we, go. there we go. Where are we at in the world? I know we're out on tour, so where are we at? We're in Chippewa Falls, this tiny little city. And it's a small venue night, but it always just goes off. So it's sold out. Yeah. Um, we So it's in Wisconsin, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, okay. uh, which we've been playing Wisconsin for so many years. And we always throw down super hardcore here. Um, and as Carla stated, it's a smaller, intimate venue, which is actually really fun for us. So we're really excited about tonight. And Lena's been on tour with us for a little bit, or, you know, for this whole tour. And um, it's their first time to the States. So it's really fun yep. showing them around our favorite venues. So, Lena, what uh, what country are you from? I know we, like I said, in the in, while we were talking kind of backstage, I know we've, we've talked in the past about where you're from, and it's and I cannot for the life of me remember where it is, but I remember it being very interesting. It's a small country in Eastern Europe. Yeah. It's called Moldova. Ah, there we go. Coming from, from Moldova and then going on tour with the Butcher Babies, how much of a culture shock is that to, to take, you know, Moldova well, to the I've been living in the U.S. I've been living in the U.S. for six years, and... Nice. For me, it's just being on tour with friends. It's what's the best, you know? Yeah. It's really, really great. So Len is my neighbor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're next door neighbors, um, but her boys still live in Moldova. So for them, it's been so fun to be, we took them to downtown in Nashville and 
we've all been just hanging out, getting to yeah. know each other, late night bus parties. Don't tell our manager. Even, <laughs> even Walmart sounds fun for them, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Walmart. Be great. We go to Europe or the UK. I like love going into like little the places. Even, <laughs> even like the Tesco and getting like different sandwiches that we don't yeah. have here. Everything's an adventure when you're in a different country. Yeah. And that's, you know, being a touring musicians, you don't do it for the money all right. the time. You can't, if that's what you want, then you will never be successful, but you do it for the experience. And anytime you get to experience, you know, a new place, it's amazing. So, yeah. There's a great, uh, a great Gene Simmons quote from years ago when he first came over to the States. And he said the first time he ever went into a supermarket, he was just blown away from the aisles and aisles of food. He said it looked like a food waterfall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> food waterfalls? I'm just being at the bottom like this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh, what's the late night parties like? What's going on? <laughs> we, have, we have Dance Party USA sometimes. Nice. Uh I have a couple songs that I, I go to bed early to be honest with you, but there's a couple songs that get me out of my bunk and dancing. So, so one of those we just learned is okay. fallout boy. What sugar we're going down. I had no idea. I've known Carla for almost 15 years. We were best friends for so fucking long. And I had no idea. She got to have fallout some boy. secrets. <laughs> Shit, did I just give it away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that song. Um, Fall Out Boy is great, but I'm not like a huge fan of, of that kind of music. Right. But that song, it's every time I hear it, I like it. It turns on the, the, the twerkle meter goes to 11. That and Little Kim. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you definitely can't go wrong with some classic Little Kim. Our, she, was, she was pretty amazing. But uh, yeah, you know, it's funny the, when like those year end of the year Spotify playlists come out. And it's like, share with your friends what you've been listening to this year. I'm like, I'm not showing anybody my Spotify playlist. When we get together, it's mostly lifting weights. There you go. Uh, <laughs> jumping out of the bunk, yeah. Yeah, uh, PIMS 91, that's exactly it. <laughs> so uh, we're usually we work out during the day to get in the corner of the venue, hobbies, um, jump rope, we've got jacks going. So that's kind of where we are when we get all to hang out. <laughs> Well, within the last like six months or so, Heidi, you like went hardcore at the gym. You were posting daily, uh, you know, photos and before and afters and everything else. You took it seriously there. You got crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I it completely changed my life because I I avoided heavy weights my whole life. And um, one of my gal pals, Shannon Guns from Sirius XM, she started going to this gym, and she was like, "Wow, I've watched my body transform in even a month." And so I started going too. And it changed everything. So, um, but luckily on the road, we're all workout buddies. And so we can keep that up even touring wise. Now it's just, we know what to do. Yep. <laughs> so what's it like to be back out on the road? I mean, post pandemic and, and just getting back out and seeing people again. And obviously you did Rocklahoma, you did metal in the mountains and doing all these crazy shows like that. It was a little nerve wracking at first, you know, it's been so long because we took 2019 off to write a record. So it has been, you know, like two and a half years since we've been out on the road. Our lives have changed dramatically. We found kind of comfort in being at home, but this, this was our dream, you know, since we were kids. So we had to come back out again and, and get back to work. And, uh, you know, at first I was like, damn, we've got five, six shows in a row to start off this tour. Are we going to survive? Right. Are we going to be able to do it? But um, 
I'm actually surprised at how easy it's been to fall back into, you know, the routine, sleeping on the bus and singing every night. You know, we're still warming up to, you know, our old touring schedule, how we used to be. Um, but it's been surprising how easy it's been to get back to it. Well, Lena got to go to Ukraine recently. Yep. We played our festival in Ukraine a month and a half ago. And it was the first show in 19 months. Oh, wow. So, and that was like, she was sending us pictures from the crowd. We have a group chat and she was sending us pictures from the Ukraine. It was like 1030 at night and we're at home and she's on her way to her gig and she's sending us pictures and stuff. And we were all sitting there so jealous, just green with envy. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, as, as singers, getting back into, you know, five, six days a week, your vocal cords, your vocal, everything in here is a muscle. And it's definitely working that muscle back out. It can be a challenge. Even if you warm up at home and you do your exercises at home, nothing compares to a real life show with the adrenaline that you feel. So all of us had a day off yesterday and all of us needed that day off. <laughs> if you can tell, we're all pretty toasty over here. I can use one more. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, Lena, your the Infected Rain album came out a couple of years ago and obviously the pandemic kind of threw a, a monkey wrench into promoting that. So I, so finally getting to get out and promote it and play those songs, how is it for you? It feels awesome, honestly. I mean, we don't look at it that way. We just look at it finally getting to play shows, you right. know? But, um, yeah, we are ready to give a new album. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Sabbath Costello in the chat, she says that she has a Butcher Babies tattoo of the logo with the lyrics that say, no place like home, much love yeah, from you. Yes, that's Raj. Raj has a, um, a tattoo uh, from Magnolia Boulevard, and it's a gorgeous tattoo. We got to see it in person a couple of years ago. Raj, we're excited to see you at Bloodstock as well. 2022. <laughs> it's been we've been we've been uh, waiting to play that for a while. So, hey, UK, we're coming for you. Uh, Forza Crush asks, do you guys train your vocal cords before doing gigs and concerts? So I'm assuming war like what's your warm up yeah, like? We all have uh, our. We've got tried and true vocal warms that we all do. We drink today. I've been drinking tea since I woke up in the morning. Um, there, you have to really take care of yourself if you're a vocalist on the road. There's all sorts of different types of warm-ups that work for people. Um, I love to summon demons. That's my number one go-to. Just, Yo, you know, that kind of stuff is just really easy for me to summon demons. But then there's also the regular scales. Um, sometimes we get to get together with Lena, and she has this awesome warm-up that she does every day. And it has a lot of zzz and a lot of all these different things that warm up different parts of your throat. So as a screamer, it opens those up. Because one part of your throat isn't open, you're not going to be able to scream correctly. So it's fun being able to have, you know, us, us gal pals out together because, okay. you know, we all respect each other so much as vocalists. And we want to learn from each other and help build each other up. And I think that that is something that's so rare. <laughs> so 100%. Yeah. And so it's really cool to get together and work out, get together and do vocal warmups, get together and, you know, talk about vegan food or whatever the case may be. You know, we're just out here with friends having a good time and, um, you know, 
I, I love learning some of her vocal techniques. And we've always shared vocal techniques. So it's fun. It's cool. Is it kind of nice to have a package with more ladies on it than normal? You know, it's not a bunch of just dude fest out there. It's, you know, you're, you know, it's three female, female fronted. And we know how much we love that word or that, uh, that phrase. Well, it's, you know, we've always had each other on the road, which I never really realized was such a gift. But when you think about it, you know, to be stuck in a, in an RV or a bus with all guys that don't understand everything that you're going through all the time would be definitely a different experience. So, yeah. and, and it's just, it's more, it's better to have even more of us together. On See, the we now. wouldn't be able to like fully answer that because like she said, we've always had each other, but what about you? Yeah, no, I, I've been on tour with other um, bands with girls, but it's just, I don't see that as, as a big difference. I do see a difference of friendship here. Yeah. Yeah. So this is for me, the biggest thing for sure, you know, is having friends on tour. Yeah. That's, that's a huge plus. So this tour, like we, I've, we've said it before, it's like the best friends yeah. tour. Cause like us and stitched apart, like we're all really close and, and the respect level between all of us is super high. Um, and that is, I think, something that's kind of rare. Because sometimes you go into a tour and you're meeting people for the very first time on the first date and you're kind of feeling each other out. Like, are they going to be cool? Like, do they like us? Like, you know, so um, so it, it's, it's definitely been a lot easier. And especially coming out of not touring for several years, I think this was the right move for all of us just yeah. to have a little bit of comfort here on the road together. We've got a struck here in the chat. Ask them about Mixie smashing guitars. Yeah, she does almost every night. I'm like, where are you getting all these guitars? <laughs> no, Mixie's awesome. It's cool to see her really. We've been um, playing with Stitched Apart for, man, 12 years now, starting at the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. And seeing Mixie really come into her own and pulling, because she's a great guitar player. She always has been. Um, but she did. She didn't ever play guitar in Stitched Apart. So it's so cool to see her pull that talent into that band as well. And um, her smashing the guitar on stage at night is like a highlight of my night every night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lena, I'm assuming that you know, you, coming before coming to the stage, you obviously knew of Heidi and Carla, and then kind of becoming friends with them. Uh, you know, getting a friendship and and you know being a, a female vocalist in a band, things like that. What does that mean for you? And uh, you know, kind of having those friends and in, in kind of similar situations. Um, as I said, it's just absolutely great to know that if something happens or if there's something you need to say, like something like a big tragedy happened to a friend of mine a couple of days ago. And I had my best friend to talk to. You know, I had both of them listening to me and being there for me. You know, it was, it's not easy to go through tragedies or family issues or anything like that. When you are working, when you're on the road so far, it's, you can lose your mind. So, you know, I, I appreciate this. Insanely. Yeah. I, I think that people don't understand how lonely the road can be because what what the viewer sees is people going up on stage, having a blast, doing what they love. But there's a lot of empty hours in between, you know, loading and playing the show and 
you know, when you're in your bunk at night, sometimes we wrote a song about that kind of feeling of alienation called thrown away. There's just a lot, like I said, of emptiness, empty hours. And if you don't have a good support system, it can really wreak havoc on you. Yes. I mean, even when you were at home during the pandemic and when we realized we were neighbors, because I had moved to Las Vegas and I moved right next door without knowing. And then we realized <laughs> we we're neighbors and started hanging out more and more. It was just really cool to, you know, have other gal pals in this scene who go through the exact same things we do every single tour, have the same emotions, um, read the same comments, all that kind of stuff. So it was really, it's really good to have this girl gang and this girl bond because when we all started in the first place, all anyone that believed in ourselves were each other. So we all believed in each other and keeping that going for you know decades, I think, it just goes to show that, you know, women empowerment really, really does help, especially out on the road and, and being able to talk to each other about real life things rather than, hey, nice show. You know, right. Yeah. It's super well, uh, new for me. Yeah. Claudio here in the uh, chat says, tell, tell Lena uh, from me, we love you and we are always there for you. Still love my back tattoo. I believe they said they have a back tattoo of you. So they need to, uh, so, so. Sabbath Costello needs to set her ga- step her game up because Claudio has an actual <laughs> not just a logo. I mean, huge back pieces are pretty rad. So I've seen some really cool ones of her and her. <laughs> <laughs> and me too. We've got, we've got one great back piece. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Uh, another thing from Sabbath Costello. Oh, and I love Carla's book, Death and Other Dances. Tell me a little bit about the book, Carla. Oh, I wrote it um, years ago now. Gosh, I need to follow it up. Right? It's been it's been a long time. Um, so it was my first published novel. I think it came out in 2014, maybe. And um, yeah, it just it's about my life as a, a mortician, going to embalming school, learning that trade, and um, just kind of like a autobiography about everything I've been through. I, the thing is I wanted to write a book because I knew people would talk shit about some of the things that I've seen and been through in my life. So I'm like, here, before you talk your shit, here it is. You can read about it. And <laughs> it's a cool it classic story of, you know, you move to LA, you go through all the LA things and it's really neat to, to read this story. I, I, it was one of the first books I didn't have to lie about reading, <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I, I couldn't put it down. It was really cool because I was there for a lot of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then reading about it from her, you know, her experience and her words, it was really cool. So if you have an opportunity, you should definitely pick it up. Heidi's a character towards the end of, mm-hmm. of my journey that starts in my childhood. And yeah. So talks about, you know, how I met her. You know, I was thinking about how crazy it is that that the three of you have come together because of obviously Lena being from Moldova, you know, uh, Heidi with the the Mormon background, and then you know, you know, you know Carla's background. Just all three of you guys together, like ha- the the trip you guys all had to take to end up where you are today is pretty nuts. I'd always trip out so on true. how bands come together. I mean, I moved to LA from Detroit. Uh, in 1998, she moved from Provo, Utah. I can't remember what year. 2007. And uh, we found each other. Right. In a sea of people, we found each other and were able to make a successful project. And we've toured for a decade together. 
That's insane. If you, you look at it on it. paper, why would no we sense. be friends? But we are. <laughs> and then also randomly moving next to her, you know, so it's, it's almost like fate yeah. when it comes to all these things. For sure. So funny. So tell me the story about Rocklahoma and how you guys tricked Rocklahoma into thinking you guys broke down and then you had to headline the entire event, the, the entire night that night. No, we didn't break we didn't down. Break down. That's, that is definitely not a story at all. I'm not sure where you heard that. No, uh, no, the, it, it was, was the rain. storm. It yeah, was a storm. I, we were supposed to open main stage. And right. so we got there, we unloaded, we were ready to fucking throw down. And they were like, um, there's going to be a storm that's coming through at, at your exact set time. So they shifted everyone's set. I mean, Pop Evil was supposed to play an hour, and they only got to play a half hour. Everyone's set got caught considerably. Um, and they moved Slipknot up to a time where it wasn't supposed to rain at all, and then put us directly after Slipknot. Um, so we didn't trick anyone. We kind of just got, is that a real story that you <laughs> no, heard? No, 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 no. I just, I just, I just read it and made up my own story. So no, I was just joking. Oh no, no, it's just funny because. Um, we, you know, we, we love to hear what, like, yeah, the, no, we the rumors are maybe around. That was a real <laughs> rumor. Yeah, no. Um, at first, we didn't know what to think. We're like, oh, man, closing out the whole night, people are going to want to go home. But everyone came over, and they rallied. It's, it's never easy being a cleanup band. And we were like, oh, cool, now we're the cleanup band. But it actually was way better than opening main stage. Main yeah. stage, there was, like, like, 10 feet, and then a big, giant... Um, concrete wall and then seats and so it was like well we can't get our circle pay going like why are we gonna you know so yeah. <laughs> so we're, we were actually grateful to uh, move over to the second stage any fears of playing after slipknot no i, I think I mean, people here's the thing if there's a band that can fucking warm up a crowd it's slipknot they came over having already partied hard and just wanting more, especially it was only 10 p.m. I, uh, no. I saw I was watching Anthrax and Corey Taylor came over and and uh, side stage. and He was next to me. I said, oh, I wanted to thank you for opening up for Butcher Babies tonight. He laughed. <laughs> I said, it's about time. So he yeah, got a kick out of that. He's always been super sweet to us. <laughs> too funny. Too funny. Uh, struck as ask Carla about her sketch art monsters. Oh, yeah. I do sketches all the time. I, I am an artist. And that's, uh, you know, I started doing a lot more art on the road, you know, years ago. Um, just because, like I was talking before about all the like, empty hours that you have. And so um, that became a huge part of my life. And I love sharing my art with you guys. So thank you so much for checking it out. So, Carla, uh, you know, doing the doing the uh, the mortuary stuff, you know, how how long did you have to go to school for that? Have you ever spoke with Jonathan Davis about that? Because I know Jonathan, he had a no, background think, too. So I think Jonathan Davis did body removals. Okay. I was an embalmer. Um, so I have a bachelor's in mortuary science. And right now I'm getting a second bachelor's in mortuary business. So, um, so it's Carla has on, to get off the stage yeah. super early every night to turn in. Yeah, I'm literally <laughs> doing homework from the road. And yesterday they went out and they got to do go-karts and do all kinds of fun stuff. Nice. And I got to sit in a hotel lobby and do homework, which whatever. It's only two right. semesters that I have to do to get, you know, a second. So it's totally fine. But I was a little bit bummed out yesterday. It's actually probably good she didn't go because I think I hurt my ACL. So. <laughs> but there's, I literally have it wrapped right now. Yeah, she really so. does. But maybe it's good you didn't go. <laughs> probably, I probably would have hurt myself for sure. <laughs> but there's different levels of degrees you can get for it. Every state it has different requirements um, for the degree. So, but if if anyone has like a 
desire to learn more about that. I always love talking about it. And um, for me, I felt like I was called to that field since I was a kid, loved doing it. And um, eventually one day when we're, you know, old, too old to go up on stage anymore, which is like <laughs> never, right? Then I'll go, I'll go back to it, like to own my own mortuary one day. We'll be Keith Richards, all of us. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Sabbath Costello asked me if Slipknot and Butcher Babies were playing at the same time, I, who would you see? Pick wisely. I I work for Knotfest. I gotta say Slipknot. <laughs> but what I would probably do is just do half and half. I would. Guys, I question. would I would go see Slipknot over Butcher Babies. Oh, yeah. We wouldn't even play our show. <laughs> yeah, at, at Rocklahoma, we thought at first they put us on Slipknot, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I, I, had, I had a bit of a meltdown because I was like, I thought that we would be like literally playing to five people, but they changed the whole schedule around. So it ended up, it was five to 30,000 yeah, <laughs> in between there somewhere. The, um, I know, I know you guys do play a lot of festivals. Have you guys played up against somebody that you're just like, uh, you know, doing the all oh, fuck, you know, you don't want to do every time. Yeah. <laughs> every time, every time, except for Rocklahoma just now, because no one else was playing. Um, at Louder Than Life coming up, we're playing at the exact same time as Asking Alexandria, which is a super bummer for me because I love that band and I wanted to go watch them. Um, but it happens every time. Every single festival, it happens, but it's just the name of the game. I remember one time we are playing the same time as Deftones and I was so mad. Oh, wow. So I was like, I want to see Deftones. <laughs> Everybody on stage be quiet. So, I can just hear them. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can see it from like the corner. It was cool. Oh, nice. You can see him just crazy. across the way. Yeah. Well, I will say that I will be at Louder Than Life, and if I have to choose between asking Alexandria and Butcher Babies, I'll go see Butcher Babies. How about that? Oh yay! <laughs> You're welcome on our stage anytime, Josh. Well, there we go. Well, you know, depending on how they act with uh, with COVID and, and everybody else hanging around, so we'll see about that. Um, as we kind of uh, you know wind down, I mean, what's the what's the future of the tour? How much longer do we have out? Where are we at? What's going on? Tell me everything. I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. We're about our ten, ten, 10 shows in, and we've got until October eighth together. So wow. another month. Yeah, we're just <laughs> going back and forth on the throughout the country. So come see us. Our dates are at butcherbabies.com. Or infectedrain.com. Um, uh, the dates are up. VIPs up for both bands. You have the opportunity to actually do VIP for both bands because we do them at different times, and which is actually exciting. We want everyone to be able to come meet Infected Rain. It's our first time here in the United States, and we are more than honored that they allowed us to take them up for their first time. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? <laughs> right, yeah, girl power and all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Uh Linda, I mean you didn't get to talk a whole bunch, so let's let's try let's throw another question at you about this. Um you know, what's the the best part about being on the road for you? What do you what you know, are you able to get out and and meet the people and and talk to people and things like that? Uh you mean on tour? Yeah, when you guys are touring, are you guys are you guys in a bubble out there or are you actually going out to the merch table oh. talking, you know? So kind of both. Okay. I do all the time because I feel like my boys are doing a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> after the show, like changeovers and stuff. So I just go to, you know, take a picture or sign something. Um, I'm very open like that. Yeah. 
and she's keeping it safe. You know, she's wearing her mask and everything. You know, yeah. we're we're definitely taking protocols, but it, it is important for her. Absolutely. Do you guys feel like that you need that when you go out on tour to be able to interact with the fans? I mean, I know that the COVID's kind of stopping a lot of that, but I mean, that's a huge part of the tour. You know, touring. It was a huge part of our success. Um, when, ever since we started touring, we would go to the merch booth after we played, you know, the, the early tours. We talked to people. They got to see our personalities. Then, you know, they liked our music, but they also saw that we were very friendly and open. And I think that that we're friendly, God that damn it. Instrumental <laughs> we're everyone's in, best um, friends having the fan base that we do. It's true. So good. So yeah. good. Uh, so we started out with uh, Yorktown from Butcher Babies. So let's end with an Infected Rain song. So which song would you like me to play, Lena? Surprise me. How um, about... Uh, you're totally right. She has good security, so don't get any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How about Orphan Soul? You want to tell me a little bit about Orphan Soul? Perfect. Tell me a little bit about it before we go out. I mean, the song uh, speaks louder than any words can describe it. The name itself, the lyrics, it makes me cry on stage, honestly. Still. Wow. And, yeah, it's about family. You know, our upbringing, what we go through in life, growing up, and how does that define us? All right. Well, Lena, Heidi, Carla, thank you so much for taking some time with me tonight. And we will uh, we will talk soon. Take care out there. Thank you so much. Have fun. All right. Let's uh, let's welcome in the great Frank Bello of Anthrax. Frank, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for waiting for me with this wonderful, wonderful Internet t- connection I have here. <laughs> you got to love Sorry it, man. That, no, it's all good. If uh, the people that were li- watching last week saw my wonderful uh, internet connection, where I tried to do this from a hotel room uh, on oh. vacation, and it did not work <laughs> no, at hotel all. Hotel rooms are like the worst, dude. I know, I know. It's really the FaceTimes at home all the time. We have we have rough times with that. Oh, absolutely. All right, man. Well, you are celebrating 40 years of Anthrax, and you have a new book, uh, "Fathers, Brothers, and Sons: Surviving Anguish, Abandonment, and Anthrax." Uh, man, you have a lot going on right now. Yeah, a lot of craziness in my life. Uh, the 40th year thing, man, as you say it, it sounds crazy to me. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense because it just feels like it was yesterday we started this whole thing. And 40 years went like that. And when somebody comes to me and says that, I'm like, I'm still surprised because I feel like it. it it's we're so ready to go right now. And 40 years makes it seems like it, it's like an older thing. We don't right. feel like that at all. And um, <laughs> it's a celebration, I guess. I, I mean, for me, it's a celebration. I'm watching all these videos from um, that, the, the web, webisodes we've had. God, and uh, just the memories. It's like looking at a scrapbook of your life. Oh, it's, and, uh, it, it's fun. Yeah, they've been awesome to watch, man. Right. Um, and the one thing that's nice about you, you know, I get you, you, you were only 16 when the band started, so you're only 56. So, I mean, you know, it's not, 40 years sounds like a lot, but you know, you're not, you're not that much older than the band actually. Yeah. Well, funny enough, it's, it's, and I got in the band when I was, I literally got in the band out of high school. I, I graduated early on purpose. I, you know, you know what credits are? You double, oh, I doubled up my credits to get out six months earlier at 17 because um, they were going on tour and I don't want to miss the tour. So the, my, my high school had a program where you could double up your credits. You, I think you start, I think it started at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I think you finished at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. 
You could double up and get all your credits in there, all your classes in there. Do it six months early. And then I went right on tour with Anthrax. That's my college of Anthrax, I call it. (laughs) So nuts. A couple of things from the beginning, you know, when was the first time you heard Anthrax? Was it, were you around for early rehearsals? Did Charlie bring cassettes home? Anything like that? Well, I don't know if you know this. Charlie and I grew up together in the same house. We're related. So uh, I remember when Danny Looker, uh, the other bass player of Anthrax, a friend of ours, um, came, Danny and Scott came to audition Charlie in the house that I, I grew up in. So before even Charlie was in the band, you know, I knew I knew the songs. I heard, you know, I heard them. I didn't know them and uh, to play. But um, after that, when Charlie got in the band, I, I knew them. And because I became a, a tech, he called a roadie uh, for the band. I actually helped him out. Not that I was very good at it at all, but um, <laughs> I changed strings. You know, I helped him with the guitars and stuff. I just really hung out and we all became friends. Uh, and then I, after a while, they were auditioning bass players. And I, I, I got the audition and then I got the gig. So it all worked. What got you to be a What got you to be a bass player? Were you a guitar player first? Anything totally, like that? totally. Yeah, I was. I was playing rhythm guitar not very well, uh, and I was playing the bass parts on the guitar. On you know, funny enough, when I hear songs, I immediately go to the bass. It just it just automatically happened. And Charlie's the one that actually noticed it. Him and my friend Mike. They said, you know, you're playing the bass parts on guitar. Why don't you just switch the bass because you're doing it already? And once I did that. It was just, it clicked in and that was a no brainer for me. I, I just felt very comfortable on the bass. It, it just worked out. You know, with you being related to Charlie, do you see your uh, position in anthrax as nepotism? Totally. No. <laughs> Dude, if you only knew, no. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely not like that. Um, uh, look, getting the audition, I'm sure. But it was yeah. cool for me, which was cool in the in the audition and stuff. But uh, look, you had to know your stuff. I mean, I knew the songs because I was friends with them and I was at the rehearsals anyway. And I remember my friend Tom Brown told me uh, because he was friends with the band. Also, he told me through the grapevine. He said, "You better be, you better start learning those songs because if you know you want to get an audition." And I did, and uh, I went in and jammed with the guys. It all worked out, and yeah, so it was uh, no nepotism. But uh, I went for the audition, and it worked out. Uh, were you around for some of the uh, stalking of like Johnny Z at the IHOP and things and all that, all that I mean, stuff back then? That was right before me, but I love him. I was right after that because I got in the band the day after the record, the first record came out. I toured the first record, but I, I didn't play on it. But I got in the band the, the actually the day I got uh, the record came out. That was my first official day as a bass player. But uh, yeah, I heard all those great stories, and that's what I love about Anthrax. It's always been a persistent pe- band. We've always been getting what needs to be done getting it done man and uh that's it's uh it's persistence man keep going and uh, i love that story uh what have you learned about anthrax watching these 40th anniversary videos and webisodes things like that so there, there's got to be stuff in there that you didn't even know dude Josh, when i tell you this i learned so much <laughs> watching these things you know what it is dude you know first off it's 40 years so it's a lot of memory a lot of stuff went on so you know you just forget stuff but the funny stuff is seeing other people other people even in the band their perspective of it of how they felt at that time i didn't know that stuff no, nobody really shares that stuff okay. everybody had this this time capsule that they had in their head and how they felt so i found that as a fan just watching it very interesting and i, I found it wow that's cool and then all these other friends of ours that came in whether they be famous or just friends it's it was just a lot of fun to watch their perspective of that time in our band. So I, I think it's a it's a win-win. So if anybody out there hasn't checked out the, the webisodes, 
at the web series. It's awesome. For me, I just enjoy watching it as a fan. Yeah, I was watching a bunch of them today to get ready for the interview, and I didn't want to watch too many because I don't like knowing the answers to questions I want to ask you. So I knew a lot of some a lot of that stuff would be touched in those. But what was awesome was seeing like Henry Rollins talk about Anthrax and Slash talk about Anthrax and just all these guys coming together, just just fawning over Among the Living and, and all those great records. And it's great because I didn't know Henry Newman, and I'm a diehard Henry Rollins fan. Me too. He's awesome. Uh, and Slash. Um, I didn't know Henry knew as much as he did about anthrax. He, he had a lot of knowledge in watching and even, even slash. I love the dude, you know, um, it's just fun to watch their perspective of it and, and, and what they got out of it. It was so cool to watch that. I, I enjoyed it. Just again, just sitting back as, as you did just watching as a, as a fan. I was like, man, that's so cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. And even like <laughs> my favorite was, uh, you're talking about bringing the noise and, and Carrie King kind of throws a little shade on it. And then Brian Posehn jumps right in and is like, dude, you played on two Beastie Boys songs. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that is Carrie. Carrie is one of my better friends in life. So I know Carrie very well. Uh, that's Carrie. You know, but he says what he, what he feels. It's all good. But it's fun. It was fun watching that with Brian right after. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dave Fair in the chat. Henry Rollins knows all. And I, I do believe that. So much great stuff. Um, just there. This show is about, you know, the, the history of a band and the history of the person and things like that. And, you know, I can spend an hour talking about your childhood and how you learn how to play bass all the way up to the first album. But you've got a 40 year career here. So I've got a bunch of bullet points to kind of hit on uh, to to uh, to to, you know, touch on, I guess. Um, the first being, you know, the Metallica guys come to New York. Uh, what was your relationship with Cliff Burton? Well, Cliff, you remember, I came in after that Metallica thing. That was the first record when they went to the rehearsal studio in Queens. So that was afterwards. But we did so much touring with Metallica, even in the early days. Yeah. Um, my recollection of Cliff was just a friend, um, a great, innovative bass player. Uh, loved watching what he did. Uh, he had a great wit about him. He was, he was sarcastic and fun to yeah. talk to. I have a whole, in my book, I'm, not to bring up my book, but no, do. I have a whole chapter about Cliff just because it was fun. And uh, I just really appreciated what he did for bass and, and how he stood out for me in Metallica with his innovative sounds and the things he did with bass. And also, I, I always think, yeah, I think to this day with Cliff, what Cliff, if he was still around, what would he be doing now? Yeah. It, always, it always puzzles my mind. I would love to see what Cliff would be coming up with bass-wise, not only writing with Metallica and stuff, that would be great. But I would love to see what he did with bass because he was always thinking outside the box with bass. He always went for it, and I love that. I mean, when we toured with him, man, I would just watch watch them every night and just watch what he do because he does a little something different every night with his bass solo, a little yeah. something different every night with that wah. There was an art there, man. It was a, it was a true art, and you know, and then just hanging after the shows, Metallica shows, we. You know, you know, you're about to go to the bus. Everybody would stop in the catering to get a sandwich or something. Yes, and we sit down, and talk, talk about the show a little bit. And our thing every night, and I say this in the book. I say, you know, our thing was, um, as we're leaving, is, hey, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. And I would go, yeah, maybe I will. And he'd do the same thing back. The last vision I have in my mind of seeing Cliff alive was he was walking out the room and we did our saying, hey, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. And I remember he looked back in the room and goes, yeah, maybe I will. And that was it for me. That was the last time I saw Cliff. And it still breaks my heart. I still get a little choked up when I talk about it because it hurts. But it was a great memory because he was a great dude, a great innovator. And 
I have that forever, and I wanted to share that. I, I thought that was important that people oh, know yeah. how great of a person, aside from being a great musician, he was. Yeah, that hit me as you were talking. I was like, "Oh no, I forgot that Metallica was on tour with Anthrax." You know, in the in the uh, at, when that happened, yeah. um, in the in the chat room, we've got a uh, George. I, I'm just gonna say George. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dee Dee Verney? I love Dee Dee. He's a good friend of mine. Awesome. Have you seen the new thing he did? Uh, the side the side band he's got with Dee Dee sings. It's awesome. I don't <laughs> know if you guys saw that. I love Dee Dee. Dee Dee's a, he's got a great bass sound. He's been a friend a friend of mine for 30 years. Great dude. All good. Love the overkill guys. Absolutely. Um, you play with your fingers. Is that a, is, is that a, you know, throwback to geezer? Is that something that you, you know, uh, a cliff thing or, or, you know, where did that come from? Because playing with your fingers on bass these days is kind of a few and far between, man. My heroes were always finger players, Steve Harris, Getty Lee, geezer Butler. That's what I grew up on. Uh, I, and, and you know what, for me, I, I, like when I, when I play with helmet for a while, I play with the band helmet for a while, and those songs were all with a pick. So yeah. I, I enjoy that. I do, but naturally for me, it just feels better. It's much more of an extension of inside of me to come out with my fingers. I get a better feel for it. It's just me. It's a, I think it's a preference. I just feel more comfortable playing with my fingers, but if I have to, I'll play with the pick. I think either way it rules. It's almost its base. What do you do to stay so young, man? I saw you guys a couple of years ago on the Slayer tour, and you know you come out from the day from from note one and just bopping around the stage and just you know a, a lot of energy, not just standing there playing your bass, man. So what do you do to kind of keep so young? Well, thank you for the compliment first, but Josh, but I'll tell you, man, um, yoga. And I hate to sound like the yogi guy; it's not. <laughs> but as I've gotten older. I learned a long time ago: yoga gets your body where it's got to be to stretch. Look, the body just doesn't want to do this shit for a while. After a while, you know, it's like, you got to stretch out. You got to have all these moves, all these stretches I got to do now. I have a full regimen I do before the show. I mean, I have to be a yoga guy because otherwise shit tightens up yeah. and I don't want that to happen. Uh, I want to put on a good show for everybody. I want, I want to get energized. I want to feel good in life like everybody else, but that's what I do. And um, it, it seems to work. So, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? <laughs> uh, at what point in Anthrax did you feel everything was kind of coming together? I think the Among the Living album is kind of, uh, you know, everybody kind of points to that. You know, when did you feel like, you know, we have we have arrived and we are now, you know, Anthrax and something to deal with? Well, it's, it's, it's the amount of work you put in. Look, everybody, nobody gives you this free ride. Look, I remember the five, you know, the $5 per diem a day tours <laughs> in the van. When a, a band and crew, like enough crew being a couple of our friends, smelly fart ridden van, <laughs> it just stinks. But um, getting $5 a day to eat for the full, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You get $5 for all three meals. All those fun times. I think you you, you come back and then it goes, because at the end of spreading and then among the living, that's when you knew when you didn't come home from the tour, that's how you kind of knew you were on a, a good wavelength. Because right. when you don't come home and you're still touring, people still want to see you, see those songs perform live. That's how that's how I knew it because we kept going. We didn't come, really come home a lot. Uh, that's that's the time I knew. <laughs> when bands kept pulling you out. Uh, earlier we had a question in the chat. Where is it? Let me pull it up. Uh, uh, from Rock and Roll Podcast, how did you react and where were you when you got the call to open for Kiss for the Crazy Nights Tour? Uh, as you know, everybody knows this, Anthrax a diehard Kiss fan from the oh, early days. Um, 
<laughs> Those guys have become friends since then. They're great. They're heroes of ours and they're friends now. Gene wrote the forward of my book. Gene Simmons wrote the forward of my book. And I'm very honored by that. It's a very heartfelt. It's uh, a very heavy intro. Yeah, I, re- I just read it before we uh, jumped on here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a heavy one. That it's a different side of Gene that I love. And I thank him for it. Um, we're diehard Kiss fans. So imagine getting a call, being in this band. Your heroes want you to tour with them. It was it, that that face you could imagine coming on your face. Yeah, you know. And plus, I was friends with Eric Carr at the time. It was wonderful because I'm getting getting to hang out with him. Or rest his soul, amazing drummer, great dude. I love him. Um, getting that call was awesome. Now I'll tell you what was great about that tour. Not only seeing the Kiss songs being played and all that stuff, but it was during the days, the days that people don't know about on that tour. Like you know, when you come in from wherever the last show was, you come off the bus, you get in. And you go, you're getting ready for the next show that night. The nice thing is when you come in uh, in the afternoon, you come and you see Gene Simmons with one of our guitars on, just jamming some songs. And he'd be playing older Kiss songs. And he'd be telling us, almost like in a little school of fish, like, oh, like nice. learning. Yeah. He'd tell us where he got these songs from, where they were, what they were influenced from, what, what song he got them from, and what, what, what influenced him write that song. It was an incredible time, just like, just being schooled, and as a diehard Kiss fan, that was special. And just being around them every day, you know, just picking their head about different times of the career. It was, you know, you try to be cool, and you don't want to be too much of a fanboy. But it was just a really wonderful time, and they they were so cool to us. They they, they were great people. Yeah, in the forward, he talks about you stalking their management and whatnot to try to meet them back in the day. So I mean, it's got to be double awesome for you to to get to tour with them. For those of you Kiss fans out there, you'll be you'll like this because, as as you know, we were diehard, and and even before I was in Anthrax, a group of my friends, specifically my friend Tom, he'd have this insight, and he'd, he'd have a connection in the city with their management about when Kiss was going to be in their management office in Manhattan. I live in New York, uh, I lived in the Bronx at the time, and it was an easy ride. It was a twenty minute ride on the bus to get to uh, the, the Manhattan office of Kiss, where their uh, coin management. So we would find out, Tom would find out, my friend Tom, and we'd go down there and wait out front. It, it could be freezing. It could be zero degrees for four, three to four to five hours. we wait outside. for. We didn't even know what they really looked like because right. they always oh, had yeah. their makeup. These are the days where they covered their face and you couldn't really see what they looked like. But we knew if we saw a six-foot-plus guy with long hair, it had to be guys and kiss, right, Come into this place. That's what we did. And after a while – these guys, you know, we meet them so much. We'd ask them every question. How's the, what's the new record like? Blah, blah, blah. When are you guys going to tour? We'd ask them every fan question you could ask them. <laughs> and after a while, and this is all in the book. There's, these are great fun stories, some really fun fun stories about um, how they got to know us after a while. I remember Gene Simmons, after a while, he knew my name. He goes, Frank Bello, as he's signing my autograph, Frank Bello, what are you doing here? And how did you find out we were here? You know, it would be like that. And Paul, Paul would just say, I don't know how you guys got here, but I don't know how you're getting this information, but how do you always know we're here? He would do stuff. It, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, it was, it was great, great time. So when we toured with them, if you'd ask Gene now, even to this day, Gene, Gene still remembers these days. That's, that's how great of a mind he has in a memory. He says, I remember those days and, it, and he can tell you the story verbatim. It's awesome. Uh, Headbanger in the chat room. Uh, how did Anthrax get chosen to host Headbangers Ball in 1988? Any specific memories? Also, why was there a person who came out behind the drums gagging? I don't remember. Do you remember that, Josh? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't I'm. 
I wish I could see a video of that. I don't remember right. that, but I wish I could see a video. But um, that that was MTV coming to us. Look, we were doing quite a lot of touring at that time. So it was the Headbangers Ball. It was a celebration of Headbangers Ball. It was a great tour. Lots of fun. Um, the bands on that, awesome. Um, who was on that? Exodus. It was, it was a, there was a few bands on it. It was just a great time. I remember the softball games. We had so much fun on that tour. MTV covered it. Yeah. It, was, it was a really good time for metal. That whole tour was fun, man. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite all-time bands that you got to tour with and uh, became fast friends with was Pantera. Obviously, right. Dimebag playing on the on the records, Phil being on the records. Uh, give us a couple of good Phil, uh, Phil and Dimebag stories, if you could. Well, you have to understand, going on tour, if you haven't been on tour with Pantera, uh, I call them the modern-day Van Halen because that was a party. It was party time. Uh, Anthrax, before that, we never really drank. I mean, I really learned how to drink through Dimebag, rest his soul. <laughs> And Vinny, yeah. rest their souls. I mean, these are great people. I wish everybody out there could have met them because these were the spirit of metal. This is spirit of life. Uh, I miss them every day. Uh, they were genuine good people uh, and talented people. That was They had the talent on top of that. So it was all good. So being on that tour um, was scary almost. I remember, you know what Black Tooths are? The, the, oh, yeah, yeah. Crown Royal and Coke, right? Mm -hmm. Coke soda. So you just... Dimebag would just make sure you did that. There would be parts during our set. We play with Pantera. Dimebag would have the spotlight guy. He make sure the spotlight guy would, would come out and just stop the show. The spotlight would be on Dimebag with a full tray of black toots during the set. Dude, this is in the middle of the set. It could be in the middle of the song. Yeah. Of course, I, I'm cracking my ass up. I'm just laughing because it's Dime coming out with a tray. And guess what? That whole tray had to be drank on the stage. So to say the least, that was a crazy tour. The second leg of that tour, I'll tell you another thing that happened. There was so much drinking. Um, we went to Mexico City. I remember we all polluted out of our faces. <laughs> a bunch of us yeah. all, all polluted out of our faces on the streets of Mexico City. And we all drunk, laughing. And you know those carts that sell sausages, you know, yeah, on yeah. the street? Uh, Frank, the stupid one here, had a sausage. You know, I ate a sausage. So long story short, I got long story, long story short, I got sick as a dog. Came home with two parasites, dude. Two, <laughs> and this shit, this shit was in me for two. Well, it, was, it was a year. It was a year that I went to every doctor. I was losing weight, shitting my brains out nonstop. Right. Finally, we get to the problem. We found out what the problem was. It was these parasites. To get all. Gives me this strong, strong medicine, right? This doctor he gives me a strong yeah. medicine. So he goes, the one thing with this with this medicine, you cannot drink. So after this, guess what's next to the leg of the tour I'm doing? Pantera. <laughs> right. What do you think happens there? Uh, I'm, gonna I'm, I'm literally hiding. I'm literally hiding because I'm afraid if I drink, this, this medicine's not going to help me and blah, blah, blah. So God rest his soul, Dime would come in. I was hiding in the back of the bus. I remember one time hiding in the back of the bus. I hear Dime, hope it's open. Gives me a black, let's go. Give me a black tooth. <laughs> Dude, that's that's the kind of great great person Dimebag was. He was just fun and loving, and I missed him and Vinny forever. Um, it, it, they're just great. I, I love them all. You know, Phil, Rex, they're, they're my brothers. Uh, I became a bass player in the early '90s, and one of the the go to songs, obviously, has got the time. Um, learning that intro and then obviously the bridge, you know, you kind of funk it out a little bit, you know, so talk, talk to me about recording that and getting those bass parts together. Well, getting, you know, it's a cover song, you know, that Joe Jackson, obviously. Um, I didn't want to do anything too complicated with the, you know, I'm not a bass solo guy. I love people who do bass solos. I think they're great to watch for me. I just want the rhythm thing. So 
uh, I remember with Mark Dotson, the producer on that record, um, bouncing off of him. I said, Mark, I don't want to do anything crazy and, and take over the song. I just want to pay respect to the song. And so piece by piece, I just, I kept trying different things with that. Uh, and said, does this work? And then he asked me to slap the last part. I said, slap, really? Is that going to work? So I tried it and we both looked, all right, that works. And it was as easy as that. And funny enough that it goes over so well, which I'm happy to hear. Oh yeah. It's, it's once you figure out that baseline, every time you go to sound check or, or go to band practice, you know, you're, you got to do it, man. That's fun. You know, it's still a fun song to play live. It's, it's fun to watch the crowd reaction. So, um, again, when I play, when we play stuff like that or any song for that matter, you watch the crowd, it makes it new again. So it doesn't feel like a song that's an even older song. It makes it new for that night. It's awesome. Uh, you can obviously go to the YouTube and watch all about these songs and things like that. But just give me a little bit of a uh, background on I'm the man. And, uh, the, you know, I know that it's it's, you know, supposedly, you know, the Beastie Boys were going to do it. But then you did a scratch track and, and it turned out to be one of your biggest tunes ever. So so talk a little bit about I'm the man and how ridiculous that tune is. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, a, I'm an annoying prick for the most part. And there's this movie called Easy Money. And it was this this saying that um, one of the characters kept saying, Alison, I'm the man. I'm the man, Alison. Watch the movie. Have you ever seen Watch Easy Money. It's a great movie, Ronnie Dangerfield. So, and I had this thing, I kept saying, I'm the man. I kept saying it. Almost like I couldn't stop saying it because I was so <laughs> into it. Uh, and it, it just fit the song. I think Scott put it together. Um, with, we should use that. In the, we should use that in this. I said, okay, let's do it. So, and that part just worked right over. I'm so bad. I should be in detention. It worked right over that. It was supposed to be the Beastie Boys. That whole thing was supposed to be the Beastie Boys. And schedules work out. We So long story short, it didn't work out. So um, we went in, Charlie Scott and myself, we went in and literally just did it right there. And this thing took its own It had its own life, dude. And we had no idea it was supposed to be a fun thing that we put on a B-side maybe and just you know, put it out for fun. That's what we do. We do things for fun. And this thing just took off and, and had its own life. And uh, and all of a sudden we were doing it live and, and it became this big thing and people people loved it. So we, we were psyched about it. Did you guys ever get anything about any of the samples in that song? I think that was kind of pre- before everyone kind of started cracking down on samples. Yeah. I know the Beastie Boys, they talk about like some of the early albums would cost over a million dollars in just licensing fees if they would have actually licensed those samples. Yeah, well, I, I think isn't there a time limit on the samples and stuff like that? Like, we wow. use very, there's very small samples and stuff. So, I mean, again, this was before all that stuff anyway. So, uh, <laughs> it was fun though. I, I still listen to it. Like I was just watching the video you had on. That was like watching a scrapbook of my life. Like, oh my god! And uh, we haven't done I'm the Man in so long. It's crazy. Uh, George says met anthrax in May, 2017 did the VIP amazing experience meeting them. So that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. Thanks bro. Uh, let's, let's talk about some jams, you know, like that, that's one thing in the eighties, man, you guys rock some jams. And, uh, and even to this day, you know, when you bring up anthrax around me, we're going to talk some jams. So, so where did that, that culture come from and bringing it into the metal world? You know, as usual, nothing's really well thought out with this stuff. I mean, nobody's <laughs> driving to fucking let's put shorts on it to be a look. You know what it was, dude? I don't. I mean, we all talked about it. Our balls were sticking to our legs. It got boring. You know, and it got it, so you you want to have looseness down there. It got is a comfort thing. To be honest with you, it was a comfort thing, and it became this thing where we wore shorts. Fine, they were playing this heavy music. We're wearing shorts. 
you want to call that a thing? Fine. It was it was fun. We were still comfortable, but uh, it took on again this it took on this whole thing like a fashion thing. That's cool, whatever. But we were just being real. That's who that's who we were. And then later on, after that, I decided I want to go back to pants. It was <laughs> as easy as that. I don't I don't think too much about it, but uh, I, I like that people saw that. And then yeah, we made the anthrax shorts because people were getting into it. It all made sense. Is that why you guys do kind of a uniform now, you know, so you just take all the guesswork out of, uh, you know, stage clothes? Not even that. I think it's just shows <laughs> unity. We're all in it, all for this. We've been together for a long time. We're still together and, and tight as, a, you know, tight as brothers and stuff like that. It all leads to that. Uh, make makes sense. My son has popped into the uh, chat room. So hello, hey, son. How are we doing? How are you? Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about bringing the noise man i was listening to that again today and just just the music alone that song would be awesome but you obviously add public enemy to it and it turns turns it out to be uh, pretty amazing so uh <laughs> well, Chuck's, Chuck's voice right off the bat that's a powerhouse anyway right um i mean if you haven't listened to public enemy please do it's his voice alone it's just yeah. heavy music it's a heavy rhythm um it you know for me when we did that that our music and his voice that blended man it was it was just so powerful i i couldn't wait for people to hear that because it worked so well and we brought it on the road that whole tour was insane people were worried about what was going to happen at those shows going to be any problems that was one of my favorite tours we've ever done because there was so many good times yeah so many good shows to begin with but then so many good times backstage I mean, just hanging out, busting balls. I the S1Ws, the guys that are up on stage with um with um with Chuck and Flav. I learned all their moves and I, on the side and stuff like that. They have these great choreography uh, moves and uh, choreographed moves, and I, I learned them. It was fun, man. And I got to know all those guys. It was a lot of it was a good vibe on that thing, man. Uh, Headbanger in the chat says they're excited to read the book. What's the one thing you hope people will take away from it? Honestly. You can, and this isn't, I'm not preaching this stuff. I just feel because any hardship you've been through in your life, and it's not just a, a rock and roll book, you can brush yourself off of, off of anything. And music really brought me out of it. And uh, I, I just want people, there's a lot of pain out there, especially now we all have just been through with this, this COVID thing. I, I, I just want people to know you can brush yourself off and, and get tunnel vision and go after your goal and, and, and get to it, really. And, uh, don't, and you can get rid of that pit. That, that bottomless pit, that feeling in your stomach, brush that shit off and you can move on with your life, no matter what you've been through. And uh, that this is my story. And if it can help one person to feel better about their life, then it's all good. Uh, a couple more things and I'll let you get out of here, man. Um, Clash of the Titans tour, the original, you know, you guys, oh. Alice in Chains, before, you know, anybody knew what they were going to be, Slayer Megadeth, man. What an amazing tour that still gets talked about to this day, 30 years later, over 30 years now. Yeah. Dude, um, that tour, you know, you have to remember, we were all touring a lot separately. To get us all together, that was special to begin with. Um, those shows were, everybody had a headline night, so it was a lot of fun. I think the second, whoever was second on the bill that night, right before the headliner, had the best spot. Because then by that night, you don't want to get to, by that time, you don't want the night to get long. But it was still, everybody got their shot. And Allison Chains, I watched them every night. Lane Staley, Rest His Soul, another great one. Uh, just watching them kick ass, you know, nobody knew them. And pe in fact, people were throwing stuff at them a lot of those times. But those same people that threw stuff were buying their records the next year. Uh, mm -hmm. That's how great that band is. And, and they've always been great. And they, they stood in it and they went for it. And, you know, they, they win. I, I, I love, I, to this day, I love Alice in Chains. But what a great tour when I think back of it. 
the camaraderie. Number one, just watching. I watched each band every night. It was just fun. What a great show for fans to watch, I thought. I was watching uh, the Am I Evil from the Big Four before yeah. we jumped on from Sophia. And the one, the best part of it is towards the uh, the beginning of the song when you guys are kind of jamming that opening riff, Hetfield is just eyeing you and you're, <laughs> you're, you're rocking out and he's just giving you like, he's just watching you rock out. And it's pretty amazing to see, you know, a dude like that. And just, just that whole scene of all you guys on stage you know everything kind of coming together and and seeing Mustaine and, and Hetfield on stage together and all of that you know I remember when that came out and just being a you know the big metal head that I am just loving that seeing that then and then watching it again now uh, just still those same feelings just kind of come over you it's funny you say that because I wrote about that in the book that's actually in the book about that specific moment I remember James look at me he always almost looking at me to call me over and like kind of headbang, you know, like the look, you know, so it went over and bang with him. It was just, that was a celebration. That whole big four was a celebration of this music. And uh, to this day, I say in the other interviews, I tip my hat to Metallica because they really didn't have to do that. They were a big enough of a band, you know, to, to bring us out, bring us all out. The rest of Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax, Metallica probably could have did their run on, that on their own with those 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 places. Oh, yeah. They made it special. They celebrated this music. I thought so. I tip my hat to them. And I thank them, and I also think that gave Anthrax, the Big Four, gave Anthrax the kick in the ass to be a band again and come out with worship music and really be cohesive again. So it's a, a lot I, I'm thankful for for the Big Four. That, that meant more than than a lot of people know to us. Yeah, your good friend Dave Ellison said it best. There's only a big one. <laughs> and then there's the rest of us. That's true, man. So Metallica, you know, look, they're the biggest band in the world for a reason. Um, it's fun to watch. And they're my friends. I love them to this day. It's been a great journey. Um, and I just, I hope, just keep going. Just keep going, man. A lot of, making, making a lot of people feel good. Keep going, man. Uh, you got a couple more minutes? Yeah, dude. I'm here. All right. Uh, Rock and Roll Podcast says, besides new Anthrax music, any other projects you have in the works? Funny you should say that. Yeah. Um, if A lot of people um, heard that Dave Ellison and I, we did this project called Altitudes and Attitude a few years back. Um, and a lot of people liked it, thankfully. So uh, what I've done for this book, I've written some songs during COVID because, I, look, you see this spot I'm in here right now, dude? <laughs> this, I call it Bellows Basement because this is where I lived, really. My, my family's upstairs. Um, and this is this is where, you know, the music, all that stuff. This is where I do videos, all that stuff. So uh, I wrote some songs for the – some solo songs for the – it's, it's more along the lines of Altitudes and Attitudes. So if you like that, it's really – it's the continuation of that. I just wrote by myself here and uh, I just recorded them in the studio uh, with some, some great players. So um, uh, that's coming out. That's my next thing I'll do before the Anthrax record. Uh, that answered another question before I forget. How is the solo album coming? Uh, is the book autographed? Or are you going to be doing some autographed copies? Yes. Rare Bird Lit. Go to www.rarebirdlit. I know that too well. I shouldn't know that that well. I think. <laughs> no, you should. Yeah. So it's called, you can go to www.rarebird lit um you can go to my 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 website and you can find that out or hit me up on instagram um and you can get it on amazon too so it's available it's pre-orders the rare bird rare bird lit will have um signed autographs so which is cool which i still have to do <laughs> <laughs> big box of books upstairs yeah, uh, just out of curiosity speaking of ellison have you heard from him how is he doing dave's my friend yeah. um and hello all of our friends yeah, and uh, I, 
I don't judge anything. He's my friend and uh, his private life is his private life. That's honestly, it's as honest as I can be with Dave's my friend and he'll always be my friend. Right. Yeah. Just making sure he's doing okay. Cause uh, you know, that's the one thing, man. I think all, he has a place in the hearts of every podcaster because he has done every podcast ever. And uh, we, we all have great things to say about him. So yeah, Dave, Dave's a great dude. And um, uh, he's my friend. That's all I can say. And I, I wish him luck and um, he'll, he'll be back. Absolutely. Uh, a little bit of your time in helmet, man. Um, ah. What, what an amazing band. And I, and it, and it, hit me i was looking at your wiki and uh it said it said associate axe helmet and i was like oh yeah i forgot all about that that's that's another amazing thing that you've done in your career man what an what an amazing uh a page hamilton and and crew and uh, those baselines are pretty pretty epic from some of those uh, early records it's great because I, I was a diehard helmet fan anyway so um i i call it a, a hiatus a hiatus from anthrax we took like a break from each other which was needed we needed a little break from each other yep. um and I say this all in the book. It's all in there. So got to jam. My friend Johnny Tempesta, as you know, he plays with the cult now. He played with Rob Zombie, White Zombie, uh, great drummer. He called me up and uh, he knew I was, you know, he knew I was available. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, get out of here and jam with us. It was as easy as that call was as easy as that. Yeah. So um, I said, well, no, man, I just want to, I don't want to break. He goes, just come out and jam with us. So I got, Paige and I started to talk and Paige just, Started saying, well, learn these songs, dude, and come out and jam. It turned out to be 37 songs. Oh, God. <laughs> 37 songs I went there to L.A. and jammed with those guys. And you felt it. As soon as it, as soon as soon we started to jam together, it was right. We held, it, The vibe was there. What a jam, man. Talk about those bass, those bass lines. Just great songs. Those are great songs in Helmet. Fun to play. Just groove, rhythm, just digging in with a pick. Yeah. Um, nothing but fun stuff. Great memories. Um, I had just had a ball in that tour. That was Chris Trainer playing guitar along with Paige. Uh, just great stuff. Great band. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. So you talked about, you know, the big four kind of kicking Anthrax back into gear and giving you guys a, a platform, I guess, to kind of come out with worship music. And since then, I mean, you guys have been firing on all cylinders and almost seem bigger now than probably ever, if, if, I, uh, if I say so myself, man. So it's been it's been an amazing ride the, the last few years for Anthrax. You know, it's it's all about, look, honestly, and this sounds like one of those those lines, but it's it's about the fans and, and, yeah. and being and staying with us and being thankful. I'm very thankful for where we're at. Yeah. So to be at this level at all this time, celebrating a 40th year anniversary and the fans are still waiting for the next record as I am, I was, I'm excited about that, man. We've been, this whole world has been through so much hardship with this, with this COVID. I think new music for everybody, music in general, but then new music to look forward to is something that we could all look towards and make good, good, good. I can't wait, you know, and look, I want to look forward to something again. I think we all do. So uh, I'm very thankful to for the fans for staying with us. Uh, we won't let you down. I'm, I'm very hung. I'm very hungry uh, to put out a new record. And uh, I think we have some good angst in us, in us to uh, write a good record. We're in the process of that. Now we have some, we have six or seven primo songs that I'm psyched about, uh, but we're going to keep going. And uh, we, uh, we expect the record out in 22. Absolutely. So once again, uh, fathers, brothers, and sons surviving anguish, abandonment and anthrax co-written with the great joel mckiver uh when do you, do you have a release date on that i didn't see the release date october 12th and again you can get a www.rarebirdlit you can get the sign one 
That's the sign one. And on Amazon, they have them pre-sale. Everything's pre-sale right now. So, But October 12th is the official uh, release date. Very excited about that. And I'll probably do some uh, – they're telling me – because I don't know this book world, to tell you the truth. But I want to kind of mix it in with like um, like appearances, maybe maybe bring on a guitar and play, sing some uh, Altitudes and Attitudes songs, some songs that um, – I haven't done before. So it'd be, it'd be fun. We'll make an event out of it and have some fun with it. Oh, absolutely. Well, Frank, man, thanks for taking the time with us here. Not fast and uh, throwback throwdown with myself. And you take it, care of yourself. be well, be safe, everybody. Absolutely. Frank, take care. Bye-bye. The talk to me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at talk to me talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the talk to me podcast. 